And speaking of prayer, that's what our series is, all right? So I hope that you've been encouraged by it so far. We've been walking through the Lord's Prayer that is found in Luke 11. Now, something that's been interesting to me, and people have kind of said, hey, I got a question about this, and it's a good question if you're kind of paying attention and observant in that way, is that the Lord's Prayer that we find here in Luke 11 is not the same that you've probably traditionally heard growing up. Uh, in fact, if you have a King James Bible, there are a couple phrases that are added to the original Greek text text here in Luke 11, but what we have here in the ESV that we'll read today is really a very accurate translation from the original language. So they're a little bit different, and some people have said to me in the past, like, well, why are they different? That almost concerns people that there are differences, but today I'm not going to really talk about the differences as much as I want to point out the similarities, and here's why I think this is cool. A lot of biblical scholars, and also me, I'm not calling myself a biblical scholar, but uh, so a lot of biblical scholars and I believe that this is actually two different instances that Jesus is talking about prayer. So Jesus at one point in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6 talks about prayer and this is another time where uh, Jesus has been praying and the disciples say hey talk to us about prayer. So what I think is pretty amazing that in two separate teachings about prayer Jesus uses what is essentially the same basic format for talking about how we should pray. So I said this last week, but it's worth hearing again. If Jesus said it one time, it is worth our full attention and focus. Amen? All right. Yeah, better. Last week it was kind of like, yeah, you need to amen that, right? Like if Jesus said it, then we need to pay attention. But if Jesus gives us this same framework twice, certainly it's worth dedicating some time to kind of focus in and listen and see what he has for us. So that's what we've done. So uh, with all of that in mind, what we're going to do today is read through this prayer. We're going to do the same thing every week, read through this whole text, and then focus in on the text that the Lord has for us today. Uh, I do have some water with me now. I stole this water from Keaton, so thank you, Keaton. Uh, there he is. Uh, he was walking off. I was like, whoa, 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 can I have that water? I mean, I guess he could have said no, but then I'd probably be calling you out right now. So, but thanks. I, I am just a touch under the weather, so I sound worse than I am. After first service, people, you know, they were like offering to buy me burial plots and stuff. I'm not that bad off. If you've had any of this sinus stuff, you know what's kind of weird is you sound worse when you're getting better, if, if any of you have been down that road. So anyways, so just bear with me today, and I'm going to try not to yell so much so I don't lose my voice and have to quit preaching. So Mallory would be thankful, but I mean, we got to get this message done. So let's read the text and then ask Jesus to help us learn how to pray. Luke 11, starting in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation." you pray with me? Let's ask Jesus to help us. Lord, teach us to pray. That's our heart as we come to this text, as we spend this time kind of digging in in a deeper way into this model prayer that you've given us. Lord, I, I do ask that you would just, through your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts in such a way that we leave here inspired, encouraged, and informed about how we can be this people of prayer who are focused upon your kingdom. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. 
Thank you for bringing us all to this place today, Lord. I know that sitting before me are a lot of different weeks, a lot of different people who experienced different things this week. Some had great weeks, some had not great weeks, yet, Lord, we know that you have brought each of us here to hear from you today. So I do pray that you would just hide me behind the cross today, that people would see your truth, that they would hear your word, that they wouldn't just leave feeling smarter or more informed, but they would leave here today saying, I heard from God. So by your spirit, speak through your word. We're listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, let me ask you a question today. What is the most important thing in the world to you? If I were to ask you to take a minute, maybe close, I'm not going to make you do it, close your eyes. Anybody ever, like when a, somebody, a speaker says, everyone close your eyes, I've always been like, what are you doing, man? Like, I just look back at them. Now, I wouldn't do that because I know some of you are uh, cynical like me and would just be staring at me. So, But if I were to say, close your eyes and think for a minute, what is the most important thing in the world to you? Now, I know that right now we are in church, and you know that I'm a preacher, so you know that I'm baiting the hook, right? So you're all going to be like, Jesus, and that's great, and that is the answer we should strive to say. But, but I would just say from experience, I've asked people that question in different settings, and when I ask that question, I get a lot of really good answers, but here are the most common answers. If they're married, they will say, my spouse, uh, if they have children, they'll say, my kids, or maybe my family, lump all that together, my family. Uh, I talk to a lot of young adults who uh, aren't, don't, haven't started families yet, and they'll say, man, my career, I'm passionate about what God has called me to do. Like, I want to be excellent at work so I can have an impact on the world and, and be a game changer for the kingdom. Like, I want to do something awesome, and sometimes it's for the kingdom. Sometimes I just want to have a great career. I want to I be comfortable. People give a lot of good answers, but I'll just tell you, in normal conversation, I don't often hear Christ and his kingdom as the first answer. And I think as we look at this text, it's going to be important for us to understand that Jesus knows what he's doing when he leads us to this moment. So last week in the prayer, he opened up by talking about our Holy Father. So this holy, transcendent, so high above us God says, hey, call me dad. He is so high above us, yet he is also near us. That is a beautiful truth that ought to really bring us comfort, hope, and joy, and all of those good things. But right after that, what Jesus is going to say are three pretty simple yet very profound words. He says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. This is only three words, yet I would argue this prayer is absolutely powerful. And would be powerful if prayed regularly in your life. Why do I say that? Because this prayer goes absolutely counter to the natural tendencies of our flesh. The natural prayer of our hearts and our lives is, my kingdom come. And you wouldn't articulate these words, but can I just tell you, there have been some prayers that if you got down to the truth of it, it would be like, Lord, help me establish my kingdom. Help me get my way. Help me have comfort in life. Help my kids be successful. Help me be successful. Help me get everything that I need and I want in my life. Lord, my kingdom come. Hopefully, if you have prayed that, then we have a, this is a whole other conversation we need to have, right? But what I would say is you probably haven't articulated that, but if you really looked at your prayer life and you really examined your heart, 
I think that's where a lot of us end up landing. It's the natural tendency of our lives is to try to make our kingdoms happen. We are all kind of operate as if we are the king of our own little kingdoms. We are the ruler of our own little universes. And I'll just tell you something. I've got an almost one-year-old baby, okay? And he didn't just start this from the very beginning. That kid, from the time he could go, uh, was the king of his own little kingdom, and if he didn't get his way, I'm telling you, uh, the king, he wouldn't literally make heads roll, but he would try, all right? Everything that a two-month-old could do. And I'm telling you all, just, just be praying for us. He's at that age where he discovered that food is awesome, okay? Like used to, it's like if, if he, there's a bottle around, he's like, I want that. Now he's discovered like, hey, if they're enjoying it, I bet I would too, okay? So the game's up, you know? Now if you're eating something with it, if you tried to go and say, hey, look at your sweet baby and you're eating a donut, Reed's going to grab it. All right, so I'm just telling you right now, he gets it from his dad. So, all that to say, I, I work with adults a lot, and I, I'm kind of adulting. All right, I'm trying to at least, and I know that the reality is that that's not just a one-year-old problem. The tantrums may look a little different. Again, hopefully they look a little different. But when something goes wrong in our lives and things aren't all what we feel like they should be, the reality is it becomes obvious that we think we are the center of our own little universes. I think there's a reason that Jesus starts after saying, talking about who we're praying to. He says, before we move on to the request, which we're going to get to three things that we should pray and ask the Lord, and those requests will be the next two or three weeks of our messages. But before we get to that, Jesus is going to stop and invite us to say, Lord, your kingdom come. And what this prayer is, is a call to reorient our hearts and lives around his kingdom and his cause. Do you remember a few weeks ago when we talked about Mary and Martha? So Martha is distracted with much serving, but as we looked at it and thought about it from the cultural perspective, Martha was actually doing what the religious people would say you should be doing, what the good Jewish people would be saying you should be. She was doing everything right. Like, she's the one we would give a special award to in the church for being awesome. But the reality is Jesus said, no, 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 no. You need to be like Mary. You need to sit down at my feet and reorient your life around my kingdom and around me. So when we pray your kingdom come, this is what we are doing. This is what we're shooting for. But a question that we need to ask ourselves today is this. When we pray your kingdom come, what is it that we're actually praying? That's always a good thing to know, right? So a, a lot of us maybe know the Lord's Prayer, and you maybe even use the Lord's Prayer, and that's great. In Luke, he actually says, say this. Of course, in Matthew, it's been pointed out many times, he, it's really more of a model prayer. He's not saying this is the only way to pray. So many people in many uh, liturgical background churches will use the Lord's Prayer in their service. And that's great. I'm all for that. But I think a lot of times we just pray and say words and don't even know what they mean, right? And you might have been praying this prayer, and today I'm hoping that this will kind of bring to life what it is that we're actually praying. So there are three things that I think we see throughout Scripture, principles that when we pray your kingdom come, we're actually praying for these things. The first thing I want us to see is when we pray your kingdom come, we are praying for salvation for those who are lost. We are praying for salvation for those who are lost. God's kingdom is a kingdom that is built out of people who were lost but have been found. 
those who were lost but have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that is what God's kingdom is made out of today. So God's kingdom is built by those who have come out of darkness into his marvelous light, and God uses that people to build his kingdom. So when we pray, your kingdom come, the first thing we're praying is that God would, by his grace, miraculously reach down and save sinners and bring people into his kingdom work. I'll be honest with you, I think many of us, if we're honest today, don't spend a lot of time praying and thinking about the lost. Said earlier, you know, we talk about the 20,000 people within two miles of this facility. And statistics tell us that if you look at a group of six houses, I keep calling it a quadrant, I don't know what you would call it, but if you just have six houses, the three across from you and the two beside you, if you live in a neighborhood, they tell us that of those six houses, four of those homes are unchurched. Now, I'm not going to tell you that that means they're lost and going toward hell. You can be saved and not be active in a church, but what I would say is that means they're not currently walking with Jesus because you can't really be walking with Jesus and not be a part of the body of Christ. So the reality is we may think like, well, we're here in the buckle of the Bible belt. Well, I need to tell you the Bible belt's busted. And there are lost people all around you who don't know Jesus. When was the last time that you thought about that? I can tell right now as I talk about it that that bothers a lot of us. It bothers me, but I've been convicted in thinking lately about moving from being bothered to having a burden for the lost. There's a difference. Like being bothered is going, huh, man, that is bad. And then going and eating chips and salsa at lunchtime, right? But being burdened is when your heart is stirred to action. When you start praying, your kingdom come. Lord, let your kingdom come into my neighborhood. Save the people who live around me who don't know the Lord. I told the first service that I appreciate all of the condolences and all of the uh, well wishes that I had after the Astros lost the World Series this last week. Still getting over it. Someone said that's the real reason I'm under the weather. Maybe a little bit, all right? When your heart's downcast, it, it affects you physically, okay? Just kidding if you're visiting. I'm not that upset about it. I'm pretty upset about it, but not that, all right? So I was thinking about this the other night, actually, after game seven. You know, you're thinking, well, what if they'd have done this? What if they'd have done that? And God's been working. It's not like it was like four or five years ago. It probably would have been, you know, I don't know what I'd have done. Probably like taking my flag down and burned it in the front yard and been real upset about it, you know. I have an Astros flag in my front yard. But, again, not that big a fan. Not a big fan at all, okay? But I was thinking about this because the Lord has been bringing this to my mind lately. When I'm bothered by something trivial like that, the Lord just puts this thought in my mind. When was the last time you were upset about your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus? When was the last time you laid in your bed and thought about the lost neighbors around you? That doesn't have to be sports. Sports is pretty meaningless, but doesn't that make a lot of things pretty meaningless in your life when you think about them? The things that we focus our time, energy, and our hearts and our affections on that really do not change a dadgum thing in your life or in the world. When eternity hangs in the balance for those who are sleeping like 30 feet from you in their houses. Your houses may be further apart than ours, but you know what I'm saying. It's crazy to think about. 
when we pray your kingdom come, we are asking that God would call people to himself. In a me first world, this prayer, your kingdom come, is important for us because here's the reality. Tomorrow morning in your flesh, you are not naturally going to wake up and say, Lord, let your kingdom come today. What are you going to say? Oh, Mondays, right? Ah, here we go again. But in a me first world, what this prayer does is reminds us of the salvation that has saved us, but it also reminds us that we weren't just saved from an eternity in hell, but we were saved to his glorious mission. Church, did you know that you are on the front lines of kingdom work today? You are on the front lines of kingdom work. I'm convicted about this today. I think so many of us are consumed with us. We don't think about the loss because we're just trying to make it through our days and our weeks. But when we pray your kingdom come, Jesus models this for us because I believe it helps us have eyes that see not only ourselves but what's happening in the world around us and it reminds us of our great Savior and the great mission he's called us to. So when we pray your kingdom come, we're praying for salvation. Second thing I want us to see is that when we pray your kingdom come, we're praying for lordship. Lordship. Now, it's a weird word, but let me just kind of unpack that for us. When we say your kingdom come, what we are inviting Christ to do is to come and rule and reign over every single part of our lives. We're saying, Jesus, come be the king of my life. Be the thing that runs everything in my world. When you were saved, when Jesus called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, he is not just your savior, but he is your Lord. Literally the king of your life. So many of us would say, Lord, let your kingdom come. We would sing songs about his kingdom coming. But if we're to be honest today, we would just have to say that Jesus a lot of times doesn't even seem to be the king of our own lives. Is every area of your life subject to Christ? Is every area of your life subject to Christ? When we pray your kingdom come, we're asking Jesus to rule and reign Church, I think this prayer and this thought alone would bring revival to Crossroad Church. If we were to say, Jesus, be the king of my life, you call the shots. Think about this. If Jesus is king, what should your marriage look like? If Jesus is king, how should you raise your kids? Young adults who are just getting started in life, if Jesus is king, what should your life look like? If Jesus is king, how should you spend your money? If Jesus is king, how should you spend your time? I could go on and on. If Jesus is king, how would your life look different? Church, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is king. And I'm not just saying that because Kanye said it. It's in the Bible, all right? Jesus Christ is king of kings and Lord of lords, and he wants to be the king of your life. Are you following him in that way today? When we pray your kingdom come, we're saying, Jesus, rule and reign over every single part of my life. That's kind of a scary prayer, isn't it? Why? Because you're a control freak like me, even if you think you're not. 
You want to know how I know you're a control freak? Because I've seen it time and time and time again. Every single one of us are one phone call away from life being turned upside down. And I've seen people in that moment, can I just tell you what happens in that moment? Every illusion of control that you've ever had is gone. You realize that I've got nothing. I'm wholly and totally dependent on him. And usually in that moment, it's a holy moment. No, what usually happens? We panic, don't we? All right, like, don't try to act like it's a real sweet thing. Hope by God's grace, don't you get there sometimes, and it's a beautiful thing to see. But usually we panic. That's why I'm there. You think I'm there when you get your phone calls every time? No. The preacher's who you call, right? What do I do? I got a bad diagnosis. I wasn't expecting this. Life's kind of blowing up on me right now. And, and I've told you before, <laughs> I'm letting all the pastor secrets out. Can I tell you what I do when I hang up the phone and I'm driving over there? I say, Lord, what am I supposed to tell them? <laughs> and then all I do is just come and cry with you, pray with you, because that's all we can do. But in those moments, I, I've always told, I've even told people this before. Even in that, there's a gift because God is teaching us that it never really was under our control to begin with. When we realize that and live that way and say, Lord, be the king of my life, rule and reign, you we're saying you can have control. When we pray your kingdom come, what we're saying is, God, get me off the throne of my heart and take your rightful place. Some of you, that prayer today would absolutely change your life. And I'm not kidding. I think it would change this church. What would happen if Jesus was on the throne of your life? What would happen if Jesus was on the throne of your family, on the throne of this church? I believe Jesus would do some incredible things beyond anything we could think or imagine. When we pray your kingdom come, we're asking that he would rule and reign over our lives. Finally, though, this morning, when we pray your kingdom come, we're asking that he would bring salvation. We're asking for lordship in our lives. But then we're also praying and eagerly expecting Christ's return. Christ's return. This is a weird prayer, especially if you're new here and you're new to church and Christianity. It seems weird to be like, uh, are you kind of asking for the end of the world? Yup. <laughs> right? I didn't mean to be that blunt, but it's not in my notes. Yup. I uh, didn't write that. But that's what we're praying for. We're saying, Lord, come and rule and reign. The Bible tells us that there is coming a day where Jesus will come again and he will literally rule and reign over everything. And everything will be restored and be just as he intended it to be. So friends, what I want to tell you is whether that excites you or not today, the reality is this. Whether you know it or not, you are longing for this day when Christ will return. Some of you may remember several months ago we studied Romans 8. I'm sure you memorized that passage in that sermon. So uh, I don't know. I'm kidding. Well, let's review it for a second, right? <clears throat> Romans 8, it says that all creation groans, longing for the day when Christ will return and set all things right. Why is that? Because the, the world, when God created it, do you remember God created the world and saw that it was? Good. Everything was just as he intended it to be. There, there was no sin. There was no fallen. Everything was just as he intended it to be. Creation got to experience that, but then the wheels came off when sin entered the world and creation itself is fallen. 
So it says that creation groans for that day when it will be restored to what it was. Then Romans 8 goes on to tell us that you and I also are groaning inwardly, waiting for the day, because we've received the first fruits. If you're a Christ follower, Jesus has come and the Holy Spirit dwells within you, so there are things that, that you know he exists and he is in you and he's working in you and through you, but we still experience brokenness in this world and we find ourselves groaning and waiting for the day where he will come and set all things right. But then perhaps the craziest part to me is that not only is creation groaning and we're groaning, but the Bible says that God himself groans. God is eager for that day where he's going to come back and usher in once and for all his kingdom and he will rule and reign over everything and everyone forever and ever and ever and ever. You get it. That is going to be an awesome, awesome day. But here's the reality. You and I live here in what theologians will call the already and not yet. I'm going to take a drink real quick. Uh, it's, it's hard when you're not a pauser anyways to have to take a drink. Because I'm like, okay guys, it's all right. So just hang on. Awkward pause. You ready? <laughs> Should have waited until I really hammered a point home and then had all of you pensive and thinking. <sighs> there we go. The already and the not yet. What does that mean? It means that in a very real way, Jesus is already king. And his kingdom has already started. Do you remember that when Jesus came, it wasn't like, hey, the kingdom is near. What was the message? The kingdom is here. Jesus came, and this was the beginning of his kingdom. But there is coming a day when he returns that he will consummate that kingdom, and it will be Forever and ever and ever, Christ reigning over everything. And here's the reality. You and I live here in the middle. Jesus is already king, and he will be king at the same time. So here's the call for us today, church. To bow the knee and recognize his rule and reign today. There's coming a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. But the call for us as the church today, let's do that now. And let's be at work for that kingdom today, knowing that Jesus is our Lord, but he one day will be ruling and reigning over everything, literally. And on that day, we want to have been part of that work leading up to that day. That's our call. So when we pray your kingdom come, we are asking for Christ to return. When we see brokenness in our world, when you get that phone call, when there's a bad diagnosis, cancer, an illness, wars happening all across our world today, when you have a bad attitude at work. See, we always think about the extreme things, right? Can I tell you what I think about? I think about like days that I'm a jerk. When I come back to my senses and I'm walking in the spirit again, I'm like, I can't wait to be done with that. I can't, I can't wait to be done with the flesh. I can't wait to be in a world where we don't have to question anybody's motives anymore because all will be just as God intended it to be. When we pray your kingdom come, we are eagerly expecting that day to come. We're praying, God, come and set all things right. Now, this is the point in the message where, for the second week in a row, I've got to answer this question. What does all this have to do about prayer? 
This is supposed to be a prayer series. You've talked about salvation. You've talked about Jesus being king and Lord. We talked about Jesus coming back. When are you going to get to prayer? But here's the reality, church family. The fact that Jesus has to stop and say your kingdom come at the very beginning of this prayer, I think is very telling because you and I, before we even really can start praying, we need to say your kingdom come. We need to do like Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus and say, you are a holy God who is so high above us, so far beyond us, yet you've invited me here, so I'm sitting at your feet, Father. Holy is your name. Now, wrap my life and everything I am around you and your kingdom. And until we do that, Church, we're not really at a place where we're going to be able to experience the depths that God wants us to experience in prayer. Prayer reorients our hearts around Christ and his kingdom. Prayer takes our minds and our hearts off of the kingdoms of this world, the insignificant kingdoms and cares of this world, and puts our hearts and our minds around Christ. I'm convinced of this today, that prayer is open rebellion against the kingdoms of this world. Prayer this way is open rebellion against the kingdoms of this world, because when you pray, things that you thought mattered start not to matter anymore. Just thinking about this, it's so easy for us when we start praying, I know it is for me, that I'm just like throwing out to God whatever is on my mind in that moment, the biggest, most pressing needs in my life. So last week, it's like, Lord, please help the Astros win. Please, please help things go well at work. Please get us, you know, some money to cover this bill. Please help uh, my kids feel better. Like, it's all these things that when I start praying, it's just like me throwing up these requests to the Lord. Why is that? I'm convinced. And by the way, what did we say last week? God wants to hear us. Even if we're just, so I'm not telling you to stop praying, but here's what I'm telling you. You will experience new depths in your prayer life when, again, like Mary, you sit at his feet, you stop the busyness of the world, and you sit down and say, Father, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, your kingdom. And when you do that, I believe that God begins to work in us. He begins to change our hearts and our minds and the way we think about things. And when we do start praying, guess what? You know what it said in Matthew 6, the same telling of the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember the Sermon on the Mount? Good stuff there. If you haven't read it, I'd recommend you do that. Jesus teaches about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. Do you remember what he does right after that? What's he do? He talks about worry. He says, don't lay up treasures here on earth. He says, man, all the stuff you're working for here on this world, money and stuff, listen, your most prized possession today is the next generation's garage sale items. And I've said this before, it ain't even going to sell. They're going to have to take it to Goodwill afterwards, right? None of it matters, yet we live for all these temporary things. Christ says, don't lay up treasures on earth. Instead, lay up treasures in heaven. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about all these things. But what did he say in Matthew 6.33? Seek first the kingdom 
of God. Sit down, wrap your heart and your life around me and my kingdom. It says, in all these things, these other kingdoms that we tend to worry about and dedicate our time to, all these things will be added unto you. Some of you are there today and you say, well, all these things aren't working out so well. Hang on, next week, give us this day our daily bread's coming, all right? But for today, can you stay here with me for a minute? Can you stay here for a minute and say, what would it look like for me to stop today and say, Lord, your kingdom come? I don't know where you're at today, but, but I want to just give you a few ways you might need to respond this morning. Some of you don't know Jesus personally. He's not your savior. He can't be your Lord if he's not even your savior today. So you need that salvation that we've been talking about. Can I just tell you, if that's you, here's your prayer. Your kingdom come to me. That's a prayer he answers, friends. But some of you would say, I, I know Jesus. He is my savior. But when we talked about Jesus being king, you were like, man, that guy's been reading my mail. How's he know about that? How's he know that I haven't been living? Listen, can I tell you if God's speaking to you, he's definitely been speaking to me on that. Is it evident that, that you are not calling the shots in your own life? Is it evident to others that Jesus is the king of your life? If Jesus isn't king in your life, you know what you need to pray today? Your kingdom come. And then finally, we, we said this earlier when I was talking to God. I just, I just asked him to help us because I know in a room with this many people, some of you had miserable, awful, terrible weeks. I don't even know what happened, but some of you are in the pit today. And, and you know what? If you're feeling the, the brokenness of this world today, can I tell you what you can pray? Your kingdom come. And have hope because you know that Christ is coming again. And ultimately where I want us to end today is at this simple call to pray. This three simple words could radically change your heart and change your mind and change your thinking today if you'll let the Lord speak to you today. Let's do that right now. Lord, teach us to pray. You are a loving Father who invites us to share our hearts with you, but you are a holy, all-powerful, transcendent God who is capable of doing more than we could think or imagine. Lord, we just want to ask that your kingdom would come. Or that you would save people today who are in darkness and who have been lost and who've been looking. God, I pray you would reach down and, and save today that they would pray your kingdom come to me. God, I pray for people all around this room who I know, just like me, struggle day in and day out to live with you as their king. I pray, God, that today, all across this church family, we would be saying, your kingdom come. God, I pray for my friends in the midst of hardship. And I pray that you would comfort their hearts as they think about the coming kingdom and as they pray, your kingdom come.